Thank you for listening to Servants for Christ. In all that we do, in all that we say, we want to give glory and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning us in as we get into the wonderful Word of God. For the next few minutes, let's take the beautiful Word of God and share it with each and every one of you as we have a sense of anticipation to take the Word of God and to listen to its truth for each and every one. Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 as we look at Wednesday in the Word. Wednesday in the Word as we get into the wonderful Word of God. We're going to read uh, down to verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. The Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Verse 5, But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. And verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7, I've fought a good fight. i finished my course. I've kept the faith. And in verse 8, lastly, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word of God. We ask God that you bless the many where the death angels come into their homes. All of our church families, watch over them. Lord, we pray for the many that are sick during this time. Lord, I pray, God, that you'll heal them. Those that are dealing with uh, cancer, ailments of the flesh, we ask you to touch them with your presence. And, Lord, your will be done, whether you heal them uh, or whether you bring them to your presence. Lord, we lift them up and we trust them in your care no matter what. We pray for the families of America across this country and how hard it is for people to get back into unity and to come together as a nation. Lord, we're suffering a great separation and disunity across this country. Help us to be all that you want us to be. And we thank you, Father, for this privilege of speaking on the mighty word of God this Wednesday night in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
Timothy, here as we talk about this, we want to, just for a few minutes, talk about faithful to the finish. Whether you're uh, in church, a believer, workplace, and you're faithfully trying to follow the Lord, sometimes it can get very discouraging. Fulfilling God's purpose for a life, it's not a 100-yard dash, but it's a lifetime marathon filled with long, deep valleys of discouragement. How can we remain faithful to the finish during the times of discouragement? Well, Paul knew Timothy would often have such times. And here, we look at some things that should encourage us to be faithful to the finish. Paul's final charge was verses 1 and 2. And here we look and we realize that... uh, Paul is to preach the word of God in verses 1 and 2. How is he to preach it? He's to use it for correction, for rebuke and encouragement. When is he to preach it? He's to preach it urgently at all times because I'm glad that the Bible begins to tell us. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. But Pay attention to 2 Timothy 4.2. He says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, rebuke, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And so, Timothy's to preach the word of God. How is he to preach it? Well, he's to use it for correction, for rebuke, and for encouragement. But also, when is he to preach it? Urgently at all times. And so, here Timothy is to reach his world for God. Because I'm glad that when we look at the wonderful word of God, down in verse 5, the Bible tells us, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And so, you've got to keep control of yourself in all circumstances. Endure the suffering. Do the work of a preacher Bring good news. Perform the whole duty as a servant of God. But he's talking to us and he's telling us, he says, you know what? In the presence of God, of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead? And because he is coming to rule as king, I want to urge you. And he says, he goes on in verse 2, he says, to preach the message. I want to urge you to preach the message. I want to insist upon proclaiming it. Whether the time is right or not, to convince, to reproach, to encourage as you teach with all patience. Because we're in a time now that is mostly, mostly needed. You know, around the world and particularly in our own country and specifically in Cartersville, Georgia, religious people gather every week in solemn assemblies in the name of Christ to worship God. They read the Bible. They say their prayers. They invoke God's blessings. They give their money. They're devoted. They're sincere, but they're lost. They have faith, but there's a false faith out there as well. And so, when we begin to look, they have hope, but their hope is a delusion. Because having been led and taught by the blind and the ignorant people that are out in the world today, the Bible says that they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They turn away their ears from the truth and turn uh, un- into fables. Now, I'm not talking about, we know that we've got Buddhists. We know we got uh, uh, Muslims. 
Uh, we know we got Hindus that are out there that uh, many of them, they don't have all of the truth of the Bible. They've been deceived over the years. But I'm talking about men and women who profess to know and worship and trust and serve the living God by faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, our friends and our relatives and our neighbors, having turned away from the truth, have been turned unto tales, unto fables. And so, you know what a fable is? It's a, it's a story dreamed up by man to teach a moral, ethical lesson, but factually, it's a lie. And so, I'm going to give you a good example of some of those kind of fables and tales that are out there. Some of the most common ones that have been dreamed up by men to teach people moral principles uh, that are uh, embraced and proclaimed and defended and presented throughout the country and around the world as the very truth of God. But in fact, they're lies which are damning to the souls of all who believe them. One of the first uh, uh, fables that's out there is God loves everybody. I'm going to tell you something. He does not. Because nowhere does the Bible say or imply that he does. The proof, though, is that uh, every one of us, he, uh, he, he goes in, and as we look at the Word of God, in the Word of God, the Bible plainly tells us that God does not love everyone. Because God judges the righteous, and God is angry uh, with the wicked every day. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. As it is written in uh, Romans 9.13, the Bible says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And so, you know what? There's a world out there today that says, you know what? God loves everybody. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, when he's out, he's out to bring salvation to the whole world. But... If you think that you're out sinning and God loves you because and you're out and you're just going to live any old way you want to, God don't put up with that. And so Isaiah 43, the Bible says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. And when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. And since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. You see, God is love. We rejoice in that, but God's love is in Christ. In the Bible, there's no assurance of God's love given to anyone apart from faith in Christ. And so we hear that thing that people tries to tell on television. Well, God loves everybody. Well, I'm going to tell you something. He wants to save the sinner. The, the second uh, biggest tale that's out there is God wills the salvation of all men without exception. You know what? I'm glad that each and every one of us, God, uh, God wants everyone to be saved. 
But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of folks out there that will never give God the time of day. The Bible says the Lord's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what? When we look and realize the us, God is not willing, uh, should perish, and the usward to whom he's long-suffering. But I'm going to tell you, every one of us, the Holy Spirit tells us plainly that this long-suffering of God is salvation. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't come by the way of the cross, if you continue to go in the direction away from God, God uh, wants uh, to save everybody. But there's the thing is, is you've got to step out and take God at his word. But if you never do that, listen, if you think that you die in your sin and you're going to get a chance when you die, you won't. Once you're dead, that's it. And so there's the lies that are out there that people continue to tell. A lot of people say, well, the Lord Jesus shed his blood and he died to redeem. And uh, you know what? Uh, to save. But I'm going to tell you, every one of us, when we look and realize that there's a lot of folks out there that won't let God's a message come into their mind, in their heart, because they're so full of all of the things of the flesh and the world that they never really take time to listen to the love of God and his message that he has for them. And so they go through life and they say, well, you know what? I don't have nothing to worry about, not a thing in this world. But I'm going to tell you something. Every one of us, when we look and realize that, uh, that God wants to save everyone, but everyone's not going to allow it to happen because they're going to continue in the sin and in the ways that they're in. The world is bombarded with a message after message, offering hope after hope, but above all the messages and above all the hopes that bombard the world, there is one that is more needed by man than all of the others, and that is so important that it supersedes all of the others combined. What is that message? It's a message of the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, the Word of God offers the only lasting hope for man. And I'm going to tell you, the Word of God must be preached. The minister of God must commit himself to the charge to preach the Word of God and to minister as they never have before. And so I'm telling you, all of us, as we look in this Wednesday night, Wednesday in the Word, we need to be faithful to the finish, amen. And so, we look at Paul's final charge in verses 1 and 2 in verse 5, amen, that he's talking about. But in verses 3 and 4, we see Paul's final warning because he tells us, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, in verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And so, we see that Paul's final warning, that he issues a twofold warning. In regard to apostasy, men will someday turn from sound doctrine, he said. Men will someday turn to satanic doctrine. We see it in the television programs today. And not only in regard to apostasy, but in regard to Alexander. Paul warns Timothy to beware of the godless coppersmith, Alexander, who had caused Paul so much grief and so much pain. You'll run into people out there that have caused you more pain than you can ever handle. And so, back in verse 1, Paul emphasizes the importance and the seriousness of these words by saying, I charge thee, therefore, before God 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so each and every one of us, Jesus describes as he reminds Timothy of Christ's appearing or second coming, which will lead to the establishment of his kingdom. And he tells us in John chapter 5, do not be surprised at this. The time is coming when all the dead will hear his voice and come out of their graves. And those who have done good will rise and live. And those who have done evil will rise and be condemned. I can do nothing on my own authority. I judge only as God tells me. So my judge is right because I'm not trying to do what I want, but only what he who sent me wants. You see, in the presence of God, Jesus Christ, he exhorts Timothy. He said, preach the word. Caruso is that he's talking about. He's telling us uh, of the word uh, preach. It's Caruso. It means to proclaim. It means to publish what has been divinely spoken. And Timothy is to be instant. He's to be prepared to preach in season and out of season. Preach the word whether it's popular or whether it's not. Whether our pulpit is a literal one or a church or a lifestyle or a secular workplace, we've got to preach the truth of God's word. And whether it's the good news of salvation for the lost or words of encouragement for the saved, we've always got to be prepared to proclaim God's word. And I'm going to tell you, when we look and we begin to realize that the Ephesians remind us of this truth, amen. And so, inviting people to church, taking advantage of all the special events to tell the unchurched friends about the things that go on at church, amen, that I'm going to tell you, make the most of every opportunity to share God's word of the basic purposes to reprove, to rebuke, and to exhort. And so I'm glad each and every one of us, as we look and we begin to realize that God is wanting to do a great work. He says, preach the word for the eye of God and of Christ watches you. Preach the word because the word of God is to be preached, amen. Preach the word, amen, for the great apostasy is coming in verses 3 and 4. Preach it. You've got to be completely fulfill your ministry, amen. He says, I charge you to preach the word, amen. Preach it for God. Preach it because Christ is watching. Their eyes upon you. They're watching to see if you preach the word, amen. And the word is the very word of God, the glorious gospel of our salvation, amen. And so each and every one of us, we realize that, uh, uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus shall judge the living and the dead. And if we are living when he returns, he's going to judge us. And if we die before he returns, he's going to judge us. And the idea is twofold. First, he's going to judge us as to whether or not we preached. You say, I'm not a preacher. Oh, you're an ambassador for Christ. And everybody out there that's Christians have some preaching in them. Everybody does. Everybody's got some preacher in them. I tell you, everybody does. And so, if we do not preach, we shall be judged and condemned. Secondly, he's going to judge us as to whether or not we preach the word. And if we preach the ideas of men instead of God's word, oh, I tell you, there's probably somebody out there preaching, man, I bet you I can get a lot of recognition with this, this topic. Oh, I bet I can I bet I can get a lot of response from this, amen. I'm gonna tickle some ears when I preach this one. But I'm gonna tell you, every one of us, if we preach the ideas of men instead of God's word, we shall be judged and condemned. And uh if we preach the mixture of men's ideas and God's word, we shall be judged and condemned. 
Someday Timothy's work will be tested and that test will be carried out by none other than Jesus Christ himself and a Christian's work must be good enough not to satisfy men but to satisfy Jesus and he must do every task in such a way that he or she can take it and offer it to Christ and he or she is not concerned with either the criticism or the verdict of men because the one thing that covets is the well done of Jesus Christ. And if we all within the church and within the world did our work in that spirit, the difference in life would be incalculable. Hallelujah. It would save us from the touchy spirit which is offended by the criticisms of men. Save us from the self-important spirit which is concerned with the matters of personal rights and personal prestige. Save us from the self-centered spirit that demands thanks and praise uh, from uh, men for its very act. It'll save us from being hurt by the ingratitude of men, praise God. The Christian concentration is on Christ. And so... We're not out to tickle the ears, amen. And so the Lord will appear in glory as the returning conqueror, amen. And uh, I'm glad that each and every one of us, the history of the word is found in the appearance uh, uh, of each and every one of you as an ambassador, that we, as the Lord Jesus sets up his kingdom forever and ever, that true minister of God shall be a citizen of the Lord's kingdom and his or her position and rank and the amount of their responsibility in that kingdom is based upon their faithfulness in this world right now, whether and how they take the message and the testimony of the gospel to those that are around their families and their loved ones and their co-workers. It is right here and it is right now. And I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to encourage you because what am I preaching about? I'm preaching about faithful to the finish. Faithful to the finish, amen. And so each and every one of us, when we go forward, Paul wanted to encourage each and every one of us, praise God. And so we see uh, that uh, we've got to preach the word to be instant in season, out of season, the urgency of it, amen, the opportunity of it to reprove, to rebuke, amen. We need to be about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And so the minister is to preach the word and uh, not somebody else's ideas, not other men's uh, things, amen. Not ego boosters, amen. Not man-made religion, amen. Not some kind of educational development. Not some kind of self-image. Not some kind of psychology. Uh, not some kind of science, amen. Not some kind of sociology, hallelujah, amen. I'm going to tell you, would a preach with a command to be obeyed at once. It's a sharp command as if it was a military language that every born again child of the king is to be about the business of preaching the gospel in their way and in their manner, praise God. And so I'm glad that every one of us, we've got to be instant in season and out of season, amen. We've got to take the word of God out to those ones to rebuke them, amen. That's a strong word. It's a severe rebuke that we tell people about the love of Jesus Christ, amen. Truly what that means is that the Lord wants to save everybody, but there's a lot of them that will never step out on faith and give him the opportunity, amen. And so he says, preach that word, amen, because a great apostasy is coming. And so people will not endure sound doctrine. 
By doctrine, of course, it's meant the doctrines, the teaching, the instruction of God's word, the Holy Scriptures, amen. And so we don't enjoy hearing that we are sinful and depraved. We don't enjoy hearing that we can do nothing whatsoever to become acceptable to God because we want to be able to do it within ourselves, amen. Most people don't like hearing that Jesus Christ is the only Savior, the only mediator, the only way a person can be saved and acceptable to God. They asked about people who never hear about him, like the the native in the jungle and about other religions. The teaching of scripture could go on and on, but the point is very clear. People turn away from sound doctrine for the very simple reason they do not want to hear the truth and either they do not agree with it or else they do not want to be reminded or think about it. And so Jesus tells us in John chapter 7, Jesus answered them and he said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And so, every one of us, he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. In John chapter 8, verse 47. And so, every one of us, when we go, people will want teachers who will allow them to live like they desire. And so, you know what? They'll, they'll be living lives of lust and gratification. And they want to they wanna go and be around those where uh, there's sex and immorality and uh, power and authority. All the lust and the cravings will dominate people's lives. That they'll seek ministers and teachers who will tickle their ears with a message of a personal development and a self-image. But the message of personal development and self-image of philosophy, psychology, of religion, of good works are the messages that benefit men. But they do not go far enough. They do not solve the problems of evil and selfishness within the human heart. Nor do they solve the problem of death. Any person who is truly honest and thoughtful, knows that no person, no group of persons, not even the whole human race, can keep a single person from dying, nor infuse a serum into a person that will make him live forever. Neither can anyone recreate the earth, the heavens, into a perfect world. Man is far short of perfection. And if there is to be such a thing as salvation, as being uh, um, delivered from evil and death and given eternal life in a new heaven and earth, it has to come from God himself. And this is the message. This is the glorious gospel of God's word. Amen. There's salvation through his love. His love that has been demonstrated in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the point is, men do not want to be honest. They want the right to live like they want and do their own thing. And they want the right to be comfortable, at ease, gratified, and they want teachers who will tickle their ears and assure them that the building, uh, that the building up of their discipline and image and personal development is good, is acceptable, just so God is honored and acknowledged. Immorality and carnality are forgivable. You know what? As stated, both messages are true, but they are not the whole truth. Because the only way that a person can be saved, truly saved, is by surrendering his life or her life to the whole truth of God's word. And scripture says false teaching is nothing more than fables. And the Amplified New Testament says that people will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into the myths and the man-made fictions. And so, 
I'm telling you, the Bible in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Can I stop there? I bet you as a pastor, I've spent hours of times at night uh, when uh, I have talked to people, and you know what? They never got it. I tried. I spent hours. I've, I've, I've put so many hours and times in trying to save the lost that are on their way to hell. And somehow or another, no matter what I did with the power of God, there were some that never refused it. Just like Noah when he preached in the days of Noah and all of those people. And he preached his heart out and only eight souls got on the ark. I'm telling you. Boy, preacher, don't beat yourself up. Because I've told them, I've, I've put so many hours in in the last 20-something years preaching the Word of God. And I've saw so many of them that still don't get it because they don't want to get it. And I'm preaching some love tonight, but I'm preaching truth. Let me pick back up. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed, as we said before. So say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And so we look and we realize that, uh, that he tells us again in verse 5, he says, you got to keep control of yourself in all circumstances. And so he's telling us that uh, Paul's final testimony in verses uh six, seven, and eight, what he's done, amen. He's fought a good fight. He's finished his cause. He's kept his faith, amen. And so that's what he's done. But what God will do, he'll reward the apostle with a crown of righteousness. I wonder how many people, when the time comes, that they're going to be able to stand up and they're going to have a crown to throw at the feet of Jesus, amen. But I'm glad, listen, he tells us, he says in verse five, uh, that uh, he reminds us, each and every one of us, he says, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of revenges, make full proof of thy ministry, amen. But he tells us on in verses six, he says, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. And he says in verse seven, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I have kept the faith. And lastly on down in verse eight, he tells us, he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know what? When we look and we realize Paul is sitting in the, in the cold dungeon of a Roman prison. He's facing the capital charge of insurrection against the Roman government. He has had his preliminary hearing before Nero. He's soon to stand before Nero in his final trial. Hear the fateful verdict, execution. How soon? We don't know. But those verses indicate very soon, Paul knew that the end of his life upon earth was immediately at hand. And this is the reason that he just passed the banner of the gospel over to Timothy. 
The reason that he had just given Timothy the most awesome charge that he could ever be given to man. The awesome charge to preach the word of God. To minister to the world that is lost and dying. A world that is reeling under the weight of so many desperate needs. Timothy must go forth and preach the gospel with all the might and with all the commitment of his being. And note how Paul encourages Timothy even uh, of his own coming death. He wants Timothy to look ahead to the end of his own life and to be able to bear uh, the same testimony. And I'm telling you tonight, that's exactly because he spoke of his death in verse six. Paul confronts, uh, has a confrontation with death. He says that his life is being offered and sacrificed to God in one last act, the act of death. What a view of death, seeing death as an offering and a sacrifice being presented to God. And so Paul's saying, I'm putting out my soul through death for the Lord Jesus Christ and the life and the blood of my body is being sacrificed for the preaching of God's word. And I'm laying down my life as an offering to Christ Jesus, my Lord, laying it down in the supreme act of sacrifice. And I'm dying for him. Boy, I thank God, each and every one of us, he's telling us this. In verse 7, Paul's glorious testimony, the way Paul described his life, is also full of meaning. He quickly glances back over his life, and he uses some pictures to describe it. The picture of a soldier, the picture of an athlete, the picture of a steward or a manager. Paul says that he's lived life just like a faithful soldier. He said, I fought a good fight. I thank God. I've volunteered to serve Christ. I've separated myself from this world and sacrificed all that, that I could to be a soldier for Christ, totally committed to the mission of Christ. I've suffered through the threats, the scrapes, the wars launched by the enemies of God, and I've fought a good fight, a fight that was worthy, that was honorable, that was notable, that was commendable. I've stuck to the mission of Christ to the very end, and Paul could declare, I have fought a good fight, praise God. And I'm glad that he was being released from his service as a soldier for the king. Released to go home to live at peace in the kingdom of the Lord forever and ever, amen. And so Paul said, for we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so, lastly, as we look, and as we close out, Paul's unbelievable reward, a crown of righteousness. In verse 8, a crown of righteousness that a person can receive, a crown that will make them acceptable to God. No person can ever be accepted by God unless he's crowned with a righteousness completely covered and made perfect with the blood of the Lamb. Paul was to receive the crown of righteousness because he had given his life as a soldier for Christ and warfare and of his course of race and life, and a steward and a manager, praise God, and that crown of righteousness will be given to him, praise God, uh, as a good soldier, as an athlete, as a steward, as a manager, praise God. He had been given that, and thank God, because of his mission, because of his course, and I'm glad, praise God, of all the things that he had done what an indictment against the false profession, because it's not what we profess about Christ, it is what we do for Christ. And so, we see Paul's final charge. We see Paul's final warning. And we see Paul's final testimony. That here, we begin to realize that out of all of this, you need to be faithful to the finish, is what Paul was charging young Timothy 
so that he could come and do what needed to be due. The crown would be given to him by the Lord, the righteous judge, though soon to be beheaded by the order of the unrighteous uh, judge uh, of uh, Paul knew that he had just a little more time. And he writes that this crown will be given not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. Amen. Regardless of the adversity that we're experiencing, don't be discouraged. Remember, as I encourage you to be faithful to the finish, that later on, as Paul begins to count things down, what he had done, he fought a good fight. He had finished his cause. He had kept his faith. What God will do, he'll reward the apostle with a crown of righteousness. I hope that your reward is coming as well. Because each and every one of us, that's the thing that we hope for in our daily walks of life. Because we all have a charge, no matter who you are. Because we make a, a vow before Almighty God that we will always walk in the, in the pathways. And no matter what other churches are doing, we need to keep ourselves in the center of God's plan, always doing His will, His way. Because every one of us, it is His purpose that we're to be about. It is His purpose for all of us, amen. And so, all of us, I want to encourage you to be faithful uh, to the end, amen, as we go forward and do the very best. Maybe one of these days, somebody will say, boy, that was a good man or a good woman. Uh, and so, I hope and pray that you've remained faithful. Uh, remind you to be faithful to the Lord and faithful to his gospel that he has for each and every one of us. That's how that you can really tell that you're done something, amen. Men, be men of God. The world, the church, and even some in your own family will not understand you. But be a man of God. You'll be different because you are. You will look at things differently. You will be often misunderstood, but be a man of God. The world and the church need you to be the man of God. Always stand for him, even if you're found to be standing alone. And you, no matter what anyone else says about you, you'll be successful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the message. Give us that that we need. For thee in your presence. Lord, as we make you our number one priority, your relationship as the fountain of life flows, may we take the message out there to the world. Give us a hunger to seek after you always. Fill the emptiness of our hearts with more of you. Refresh us in the dry areas of our soul. Pour into us the living water a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we pray and finish up with Scripture, I pray you are our God. Early will we seek you. May our souls thirst for you. May our flesh long for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. In Jesus' marvelous mighty name, amen.